Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch. Fastball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. Another day, another pitcher injury. But also hitter injuries. Hitters get hurt, too. Welcome to the show, Fantasy Baseball Today, here on Tuesday, March 10th. Adam Azer and Scott White, and bringing back to the show, Chris Towers. We missed you Sunday, Chris. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't. I was, I was doing a little day drinking on Sunday. Had some plans, couldn't break them. Bought some records. It was a lovely day. Mm. Had some sausage. Scott and I don't day drink, so just so all of you listeners know, we'll always be there for you, <laughs> no matter what. Well, it, it was just, the, it was kind of a last minute like switch to Sunday. I had already made plans with some of my pals. How do you yeah. have so many friends? You've been in New York for like three months. I've been here for five years. I don't have... Uh, forget it. All right, so Justin, like friends, Adam. Justin Verlander has a mild lat strain. He is unlikely for opening day. And Scott, where did you move Verlander in your rankings? So we don't have a timetable yet. He said he felt... His only other IELTS in his career was 2015. And he said this... He, his feeling was similar to that, although that was a triceps thing. That's what this was originally so actually, called to. I did look that up. I want to provide some details on this because that oh, was boy. a lat strain, actually. Oh, okay. was a, there, there was a story, I think, two years ago. The first time he went back to Detroit after getting traded to the Astros, he, um, he talked about the fact that... So he was out until... That was like March 27th. He suffered the injury. Yeah. He was out until June 15th. So yeah. you might look at it and say, Long out. Oh, that's 11 weeks. That's, that's right. a really bad thing. But it was originally diagnosed as a tricep strain. Uh, he tried to pitch through it. Just couldn't get right. Eventually, right. they finally figured out that it was a lat strain. Yeah. And they so, had to kind of reset the whole rehab process. So he says this one doesn't feel as bad as that. They don't give a timetable, but I'm just thinking in terms of having to start over the ramp up process again. I'm not counting on earlier than like mid-May, maybe early May. Oh, mid-May. That's a while. Well, look, we're in mid-March right now. And Are we there? Got, like, when do you get to mid-March? Yeah, I guess the 10th. And he's gonna, going to sit out at least two weeks, I would guess. I don't know. It's a lot of guessing, but I'm, I'm not, I, I don't want to guess too optimistically and then have a bad pick. So I've moved him down based on the idea he could miss a quarter of the season to, uh, to just a little outside my top 20. I dropped him behind Chris Paddock, Hugh Darvish, and Sonny Gray. Uh, I have him ahead of Trevor Bauer and Brandon Woodruff in my starting pitcher rankings. That's an $18 player in Roto still. Enormous. But, uh, yeah, enormous. See, the thing there okay. is like, let's say he does miss uh, a month and a half. That's probably what? Six starts? Seven starts? A quarter of the season? Would Justin be Verlander. Like between seven and eight. More starts. like eight, yeah. I mean, if Justin Verlander makes 27, 26 starts and pitches anywhere close to the level he has the last two seasons, 20 is going to be a steal. Well, I'd rather be a steal than, than have a guy drafted to be an ace be like uh, holding my team back for a long time. So I'll do the math now. Let's just get 75% of, of what he did last year, which was probably not something he'd be able to do again 765 times 0.75 573 fantasy points if we remove him that would make him one two sorry doing this one two three that's four, probably five, pretty six, similar to like what number Patrick six Corbin did last year uh better 30 points better than patrick corbin um cole granky strasburg bieber Degrom, and then that would be verlander 573 now he went 21 and six that's hard to do no matter what no matter how good you are but you know, you're at least talking about a top ten overall pitcher if he misses twenty five percent of his starts based on based on last year's fantasy points. So, um, you know, that's, you have that's to find a, a way to contend it, for the first quarter of the season, though, you or do. at least stay around five hundred. You do. It, it's and I mean, by the way, Josh James is better for him. It certainly leaves a a rotation spot likely open for the first 
month of the season. The thing is, we don't know yet. Um, you know, I did some research and the problem is they didn't say exactly the severity of the sprain or, or the strain for his lap, but the fact that they didn't that, that it does seem mild makes me think that it's probably more like a grade one strain. Uh, if that, and that's usually six to eight weeks. And so six to eight weeks from now, yeah, you're looking at early May in the worst case, but it could be late April, mid-April, really. By the way, I'll give you a, a nice comp. How about Max Scherzer last year? Because 75% of Verlander's innings from last season would be 167 and a third, basically. And Scherzer threw 172 and a third. And he had a 292 ERA, a 1.03 whip. Scherzer was a lot better than that before his injury. Um, Verlander would probably probably be better than 292 ERA, 103 whip. But Scherzer was a top 10 pitcher. I think he was ninth in Roto. And in points, he was not, though. In points, he was like 15th or 16th or something. So there's, there's a comp for you. Uh, all right, let me let me ask you about a couple of emails for Justin Verlander from Bball Ten. What is Verlander's trade value right now? Somebody offered me Verlander and Lugo for my Shane Bieber in a roto league. Would you give up Bieber for Verlander and Lugo? I mean, if I moved him down beyond yeah, like no. Sonny Gray, I obviously won it. No, 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 you can't do that. Uh, email from Brian. Well, I mean, I can't say you can't do that. Scott wouldn't do that. I, I mid May. When you said that, like, kind of took me by surprise. I was thinking more like May. One? How thing... long is spring training? He's gonna have to basically do it over again. It's uh, uh, hardly three... he hardly had time to stretch out as it is. Three. Re- so if he's so if he's down for two weeks and he makes three starts, he could be back in late April. Maybe. I I don't want. The thing is, we just don't know. Like, yeah, I understand. Being if Justin Verlander, like, this is something that I wrote about last week. I talked. I've been talking a lot about the the kind of injury vacuum where there's this period between when the injury happens and when we know a concrete timetable. And that's when you can either get great deals in drafts. Like if Justin Verlander falls to the fourth round and it turns out that he's only going to miss three or four weeks, that that's the potential like huge advantage for your team. Also, it could go wrong and he could end up missing eight to 10 weeks and then you kind of get screwed. So, it's, yeah. It just depends on your risk tolerance at this point. We might know more in two days. Okay. Yeah, and that's that's kind of difficult to gauge. I, last year, I had Clayton Kershaw as a bust candidate, and then he got hurt and started to falling to like the round seven and eight range. So I ended up with a lot of Clayton Kershaw. All right, email from Brian. Does Garrett Cole become that much more of a difference maker if Verlander breaks down and should we be taking this is really let's expand it to the other three of the super four or whatever however you want to tier them does this make those guys more valuable i think it would be a gigantic mistake to look at the 37 year old starting pitcher with a ton of innings breaking down and or getting hurt in spring training and saying you know what i need to do i need to move up the 36 year old starting pitcher who started breaking down last year that's what i need to do on my draft board so I think that would be a huge mistake. I this should be yes, Max Scherzer. This should be a reminder of the fragility of starting pitcher. I don't think it will be, but this is the risk. Like guys who don't have injuries ever get hurt. Yeah, well, so does Michael Conforto. Well, I I, I think Michael the problem Conforto is it just has it just, had a lot of injuries. It just kind of shrinks the num it shrinks the pool of high end starting pitchers that you can draw from and, and count on at the start of the season. And so that's going to make the competition for them fiercer. And if you want to have redundancies <laughs> like I do, so when these injuries inevitably pop up, um you're you're going you're going to uh you're going to want more of them. I the guess train so. of thought got derailed by the uh by the phone going. No, but, Actually, uh, but it's a laughing. good point. I, I, like, you must think I get texts all day. This you are the not, most popular. You are so the popular. one who has so many friends. It's yeah. really just my wife who uh-huh. texts me. That's about it. Uh-huh. Oh, my wife wants to talk to me all the time. Stop bragging, Scott. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, it's, I mean, I think it's an interesting point. I, I think it does make the, the big fours now a big three. Maybe Walker Bueller's in there. And yeah. I mean, I'm not moving them up either, but like... I haven't done a draft yet, so I'm not sure how that's going to go. Sure. 
And we've already got Verlander, Snell, and Sale dealing with injuries. Sale being obviously the, the most severe by far. And uh, it's, it is sort of the nature of the beast, although hitters get injured too. As you'll see, Willie Calhoun has a fractured jaw. Do we have a timetable for Willie Calhoun? Not really a timetable for him either. The fact he needed surgery to have a plate inserted there um, it leads me to believe it's going to be on the longer end than the shorter end. He still hasn't been contest, uh, tested for a concussion yet, but they're thinking one. It's likely he suffered one. So I'm not counting on an April return for him either, but I don't think it's a situation where he's going to miss like half the season. I dropped him. Uh, outside of my top 40 outfielders. And if you can get him with a late route pick, it's probably good value, but you shouldn't count on him at the start of the year. In fact, they've already named his replacement at the start of the year. Nick Solak's going to be playing left field virtually every day. I figured he'd get a lot of playing time as a super utility player anyway, but now this, this, uh, this just makes it even more obvious that he's somebody you should target in the late rounds. So what do we expect from, from Nick Solak? What kind of an impact could he have? He, Batted, uh, hit good numbers. 293, five home runs, 17 RBIs, two steals, a 393 on base percentage, though, with a 293 batting average for Solak as a rookie last year. He's 25 years old. And, uh, yeah, I mean, is he, is he a must? He was a must own player, I'd say, last year. But of course, he had position eligibility at that point, and it was second base, right? Uh, yes, it was. And it uh, seems like outfield's what he's going to pick up first this year. But third base, second base could come later on when Willie Calhoun is healthy again. So he could pre- pretty be a pretty versatile player. I think in spite of his home run pace when he got called up and what he did in the minors last year, he's probably more like a 20-homer guy than a 30-homer guy in a, in a season where things go right. But there is the on-base ability that you point to. There, there's some steals potential there. I think... Uh, I, I think he could be a pretty valuable player who nobody seems to have much interest in, in part because he's DH only right now, but that's not going to last. Would you rather have Nick Solak or Shogo Akiyama, who is going to bat leadoff for the Reds when he plays, which may not be against lefties? But who would you I, rather draft? Solak I'd rather have Solak. Okay. Solak or um, Andrew McCutcheon, who will start the year on the IL. I'll take Solak there, too. And Solak or Aristides Aquino. Well, Solak, I mean, Aquino's probably going to begin the year in the minors. All right. Uh, Michael Conforto is going to have tests on his injured side, and we'll get back to you with that. Eugenio Suarez making progress, could be ready for opening day. Mike Clevenger was scheduled to throw a bullpen session yesterday. Did he end up throwing the bullpen session, Mike Clevenger? Yes. Oh, good. That's good yes, to know. Yes, he did. And uh, he is he is looking on pace to meet the most optimistic timeline, which would probably be like mid-April. Yeah. Oh, here's an article. Jake Bowers, quote, figuring things out. Just look, I was Googling Mike Clevenger. He is talented. His lower half has really improved. All right, Jake Bowers, a year later, he's a sleeper now. Gary Sanchez, just kidding. Gary Sanchez won't play until Friday due to a back issue. San, uh, San Francisco's Mauricio Dubon could play center field quite a bit, according to Gabe Kapler. What's our I mean, interest level in him? Their outfield is really, really gross, so that uh, wouldn't surprise me. Uh, Dubon or Solak, how do they compare? Uh, Solak seems better at getting on base. He seems a little bit better as a power hitter, especially given the venue disparity there. So I'd rather have Solak. Dubon provides the only valuable resource in fantasy baseball, though. He steals. What is that? He steals bases. Well, Solak still, does too. Does he steal this Sol- many? Solak, I think, does more reliably than Dubon does. He had a 38 steal season in 2017. 2018? No, 2017. He didn't play much in 2018. Yeah. What, what did he do last year? Three and 30 uh, games. 13. Between oh. the majors. And the majors. <laughs> three three yeah, and Yeah, I think his 30 steal days are over. Okay. And he's got Gabe Kapler, so that doesn't help. Ryan Weber could make the Red Sox rotation. Wow, what bad numbers does he have? Uh, is any, does anybody have any interest in Ryan Weber? Nick Solak stole seven bases last year. Well, fair enough. Is that a no uh, on I Weber? Thought, I thought it was yeah, more than no. that. 
No on Weber. All right, we're gonna, today on the show, we're going to talk about our favorite teams from last week's draft and the best way to build a roster. We're going to read your emails at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com, and we're going to read your tweets, your fill-in-the-blank tweets uh, at some point in the show. We have to also have to tell you about SeatGeek. Use the promo code FANTASY for 10 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. Again, the promo code is FANTASY on SeatGeek. I have the SeatGeek app. And I can't wait for baseball season to start because I am going to be typing Yankees into my SeatGeek app many, many times. And I'm going to be buying tickets. And I've been using SeatGeek for several years now. I've been recommending it to friends and family and to our listeners. It is simply the easiest way to buy tickets, the best way, the best prices. And they just care so much about customer service. The reviews are terrific. You need to check out the SeatGeek app if you haven't done it yet because you, you get competition. You get They bring in tickets from all over the web. You don't have to go searching site to site. You don't have to go looking, scouring the internet for the best prices. SeatGeek makes that entire process so simple for you. Whether it's sports, comedy, concerts, theater, you need to download the SeatGeek app and start using it right now. Just search for the event you want. They find you tickets. They grade them based on value so you can see the best bang for your buck right away. And if you want to save 10 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase, just use our promo code FANTASY. Download the SeatGeek app. The promo code is FANTASY. Again, one more time, FANTASY. The promo code on SeatGeek for 10 bucks off your first purchase. Okay, so we did this mock draft last week. We did it on the air. And looking back at it, I wanted to know if you guys had a favorite team. A favorite team. I do have a favorite team. If you're not prepared, I can go first. You could go first. That's fine. Okay. So my favorite team was George Maselli's. Now, I'll, I'll say this. I think George might be listening. So I love you, George. Um... I didn't think he made all of the right picks later. Well, I wouldn't say that. I would have done it differently. They were like I wouldn't have drafted Mike Talkman. I would have had a better third baseman than Ryan McMahon. But I want to highlight his team in a 12-team head-to-head points league because I think four of his first five picks were pitchers. And I just think that George proved that you can do this and still have really good hitters. So his team was Mookie Betts seventh overall, which... I think is it's hard to have like a steal at seven overall, but that might be it in a points league uh, because two pitchers have gone ahead of bets. So I thought that was great. Shane Bieber in round two. I would have taken Jack Flaherty, but okay. Um, Clayton Kershaw in round three. I, I would have taken Aaron Nola, but that's not the point. Um, Noah Syndergaard in round four. Pitchers were going very early. Round five, Jose Barrios. So he takes Mookie Betts, and then he takes... Shane Bieber, Clayton Kershaw, Noah Syndergaard, and Jose Barrios. I, I thought he went a little early on Nelson Cruz in round six, but if he hits, then that's going to be fine. Uh, Carlos, like if he hits, not like if the draft pick hits, but if Nelson Cruz is Nelson Cruz, it's going to be fine. Carlos Correa round seven. Josh Bell round eight. Really good. Jeff McNeil round nine. So now George has an infield of Bell, McNeil. And McNeil's really like he leads off. He gets on base, doesn't strike out. He's a good points league guy. Uh, Bell, McNeil, Correa, and Nelson Cruz, along with four top like 25 starting pitchers. Um, Roberto Ozuna, I think, is a really good pick. He's you know could lead the league in saves. I, then I thought you know like Jose Urquidy in round 11 might have been a, a bit of a reach, but that's his fifth pitcher. Tommy Pham, I would have taken Marcelo Ozuna instead of Jose Urquidy. Uh, he took Tommy Pham. He could have taken Eddie Rosario. He could have taken Matt Chapman, and then instead of having to rely on Ryan on uh, Josh McMahon as his, or Ryan McMahon, excuse me, as his third baseman, he could have taken Matt Chapman there. So I think there were some missteps along the way late, but you know maybe maybe I'm wrong. Uh, Tanaka McMahon, Danny Santana in the outfield. Let's see about that. Nate Valdi is one of his RPs. John Gray, Buster Posey. The rest of the team doesn't matter. Fact is. He could have walked away with a pitching staff of Bieber, Kershaw, Syndergaard, Barrios, Urquidy, Tanaka, etc. And still had Posey, Bell, Jeff McNeil, Matt Chapman, if he had made that pick, Correa, Mookie Betts, Danny Santana, Marcelo Zuna, Nelson Cruz. Like, he could have had a just load. I think that team could have worked. So four yeah. starting pitchers with his first five picks in a 12-team head-to-head points league makes me actually want to do it 
when we do our podcast league draft or our next mock draft. Oh man, you just raised the value of all the starting well, pitchers that, in and, the and, podcast draft. And that's the thing is that in head-to-head points leagues, especially this year, I, pitchers are just going so incredibly high that it's going to be really hard to do that because multiple people are going to be trying. That's the only thing I would say is that you could say that that makes getting early pitching a priority, but it also might mean that you're reaching for guys who aren't necessarily worth the spots that they're going. And that's that's something I've had to do a lot is just kind of hold my nose and take him, even though I see Nolan Arenado still on the board and I'm taking Lucas Giolito and it hurts and it's not it goes so against Arenado, Aaron, not not Arenado. Yeah, I've done that before. You take uh, Scott. I don't know if I don't know if Nolan Arenado is this. It was please in this instance. You, you can't know what I'm saying. Let's, no, let's, let's not get caught up on the details. But well, wait, hold, I'm sorry. Hold on, really hold on, hold on, Chris. That's not getting caught up on the details. I like at one point, you know, like um, two months ago, we did a mock draft, and you took Giolito over Altuve and Aaron Judge, and I was like, "Whoa, that's crazy," that, right, but understandable. But no one Arenado, I think. <laughs> like, if you take Giolito's had one good half season over the most consistent hitter in baseball, I think I would smack you. Like, and he well, didn't no, take but, him over my but this is this seemed to be the point you were making, right? Is that there are still so many good hitters available after that pitching run is over that you just don't want to get left out of it because what is your pitching staff going to look like? And and if you have a bad pitching staff, particularly in this format, I've 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 already said I just don't see how it's even possible you could win. Like you're yeah, condemning yeah, yeah. yourself to a loss. <laughs> it's kind of true. Uh, uh, the, yes, your broader point is certainly taken there. But like you did pass on Trey Turner for Lucas Giolito with your third. There round. you go. Yeah, I mean, and obviously Trey Turner is probably more like a late second rounder than a first rounder in this format. Points but league, yeah. Points. Even so. All right, so uh, Scott, Chris, who are your favorite teams? You guys have. One? I hate to say it. I think it's Scott's. Yeah, oh, Scott's yeah. Good. <laughs> uh, and it, it's partially because Scott drafted more like how I usually would than how he usually would. Because uh, he went, I mean, he had the number one overall pick. He took Mike Trout. Smart move. Way to go, Scott. Uh, then he took Patrick Corbin and Lucas Giolito. But then his next two picks were hitters. Uh, after that, he went three pitchers in a row from that kind of third or fourth tier where there's a lot of upside. The only... It was <clears throat> Jordan Alvarez in round four, Tel Marte in round five, then Mike Soroka, Frankie Montas, Jesus Lazardo. I wouldn't have taken Soroka that high, but he's fine. And then Montas and Lazardo, there's obviously a ton of potential there. Lazardo being a, a spark as well helps. But then this is the thing about pitching getting pushed up so much is that you have guys, Matt Olson going 97th overall, Eugenio Suarez, Suarez going 120th. There's mm-hmm. just there's going to be values at hitter. And so you can go one of two ways. You can either load up your, your hitting with like, you could probably with your first four picks, get like four possible first round hitters. If that's the way you want to go. That's what I did in the auction head to head auction that we did uh, two weeks ago. Or you can load up on pitcher and there's still going to be pretty good hitters as long as you know when to take them. And so that Matt Olson pick at 97th, a Eugenio Suarez at 120th, those are really great values. So the thing is, I just think that, like, let's compare Scott's team to George's team. Because I think mm-hmm. George's team is just better. Uh, you know, and they had, I don't know, did they have similar strategies? Like Scott took, and Scott's team is good. But I Scott took Mike Trout first overall, and then two pitchers. George took mm-hmm. Mookie Betts. Seventh overall, and then two pitchers, but then he he actually took four pitchers. But like, okay, fine. Let's just pound for pound. Catcher Scott has Ramos, George has Posey. Scott wins. First base Josh Bell versus Matt Olson. Is that a draw? That's a draw. Second base McNeil versus Jonathan VR in a points league. At McNeil, I'd rather have McNeil. But although I, I'm not sure VR wasn't as good as him last year in a points league. I was about to say, yeah, that. he was. Yeah, but, I, I think I think. I, I'm expecting a bigger step back for VR than McNeil. Um, third base, yeah, Eugenio Suarez for Scott McMahon for for George. But again, that should have that should have been Matt Chapman. But still, Scott gets the win there. Um, shortstop is Mondesi for Scott and Correa for for George. So George wins that. Out presumably, 
<laughs> Probably whoever's healthiest. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a bad format for Mondesi, but but uh, he was yeah. I mean, when you steal that many bases, yeah, that's the thing is I, like. He strikes out a lot. He doesn't walk, but he steals a ton of bases. He's probably going to lead the majors and steals. He's probably going to hit for some power. Yeah, but like so, Billy Hamilton was I, never. Well, okay, he's better. I'm going to compare their points per game last year just because. Okay. I'm curious. I would guess well, Mondesi no, hit more home runs last year, year than Billy Hamilton's entire professional. Yeah, career. but Correa was bad last year, right? Like Correa was. Just, no, Correa was good when he was healthy, and he and he was better on a per game basis. It was three point four nine versus three point two two. Not the 3.22 is bad. I mean, Glaber Torres was 3.28, but... Sorry, Correa was bad in 2018. Wait, I'll, I'll give the advantage to George there. All right, outfield. Trout, yeah, big big edge for Scott. Trout, Cattell Marte, J.D. Davis, um, Betts, Danny Santana, and Mike Talkman. But again, he could have had Marcelo Zuna. It, it, it's Scott actually wins. Fam rather than Talkman. He put Fam yeah. on his bench for okay, some reason. Okay, Fam. Well, he could, okay, should have had Ozuna. Nelson Cruz for... Alvarez for Scott, Nelson Cruz for... I think Scott has slightly better hitting. I'll say that. Uh, but I like I like the pitching better for George. Of uh, Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I, I did end up with four of my mythical top 36 in Giolito, Soroka... Uh, I'm sorry, Corbin, Giolito, Soroka, and Montas. But Soroka and Montas are near the bottom of that. And... Uh, you also have Lazardo and Maeda as your RPs, so mm-hmm. that's huge. Edge yeah, too. yeah. I, I mean, I'm not dissatisfied with the way it turned out. I, I, I normally like to have a little bit better pitching than this, but I, I got some good upside there from my bench. I also got Adrian Hauser, who, in case uh, Lazardo or Maeda doesn't work out for some reason, there's another spark there. Alex Wood, who I like a lot. Garrett Richards, Dylan Cease have both been getting a lot of buzz this spring. So uh, I, I think the pitching, I think the be pitching fine. will be fine. I, I, I do want to point out one thing, because we haven't talked about it yet. It's about Jose, Jose Barrios, George Maselli's number four starter. He is reworking his curveball in spring training. Uh, you know, he's always thrown that big, like, looping, slurvy curveball that's kind of between a slider and a curveball. Looks like it should be a really good pitch. Doesn't really get a lot of swings and misses with it. He is re- reworking it to get more, uh, to get less horizontal movement, more uh, vertical break with the hope of uh, getting more swings and misses with it and having it look more like his fastball out of his hand. And so I do want to point out that if that's an effective change and it does uh, make the curveball a better swing and miss pitch, Jose Barrios could take a big step forward. It's, it's, I just wanted to talk about it because I haven't, we haven't talked oh, about no, it. I appreciate that. Yet. That's always good stuff. Love to hear those types of spring tidbits and Barrios is a guy that just has so many great starts and that to me just means that there's some capability there of of him being just great you know he's been good I I just I just feel like there's a way to unlock something there with Jose Barrios he does things that most starting like he'll have more starts of like seven innings one run than just about any pitcher but he has He's, too many bad starts, too. I made a kind of weird comp early in the offseason, but I stand by it. He has a lot in common with Kyle Hendricks. He gets more strikeouts, doesn't have quite as good of control, but what they both really... They go about it in different ways. Barrios' stuff looks a lot better, but and he throws six miles an hour harder. But what they really excel at is limiting hard contact. Uh, Jose Barrios is one of the best starters in baseball at that, and so if he can get the strikeout rate you know, up over uh, a strikeout per inning on average because he does it occasionally and keeps that ability to limit hard contact. I, there is a chance that he finally, after everyone's kind of written him off as just like a mid-rotation guy, could take a leap. Last thing. Barrios in the last two seasons has 19 starts of seven innings or more and two or fewer earned runs. Walker Bueller has 15 in those two seasons. Zach Granke has 18 in those two seasons, and Barrios has 19. He just, he can be so great sometimes, so there's some hope uh, for, for more, I guess. And, Scott, did you have a favorite team in this league? I mean, if I'm being honest, it was probably mine, but I, I'm apparently Boo! not supposed to be that guy. <laughs> Boo! Um, That's so, right. uh, we can, we can move uh, George on. has popped out to me, too, but I will highlight another one. All I right, will highlight yeah. Phil Panebshek's team. 
which is probably is it the weakest in hitting of the three we've highlighted already um i mean it's not bad wilson Contreras is a catcher carlos santana at first base is of course a stud in this format tommy edmund at second with garrett hampson as a fallback eduardo escobar at third with justin turner as a fallback marcus simeon at short an outfield uh strong outfield george springer jorge soler andrew benintendi david dahl is at his utility spot i mean he he didn't he didn't slack and is like it's not like he has a late rounder at any of those hitting spots. I guess maybe Tommy Edmond comes the closest. Uh, and then his pitching staff is uh, Zach Granke, Chris Sale, Corey Kluber. Oh, I missed the top one. Jeez. Jacob deGrom, Zach Granke, Corey Kluber, Hyunjin Ryu, and then Chris Sale when he gets back. He has uh, Carlos Martinez as a sparp. Um, Ian Kennedy, yeah. Me and Kennedy and Giovanni Gallegos, too, if he wins the job. Yeah, that's a really, that looks like a really strong team. Weaker, maybe, and like not a lot of big name hitters, but you could certainly see that lineup going right. And so let's take a look at how he did it. He took DeGrom fourth. So he took DeGrom ahead of Christian Yelich because Cole was third. It went Trout, Acuna. Which I wouldn't advise. Yeah. But, Trout, Acuna, you know. Cole, DeGrom, Yelich. But that was the top five. So he took DeGrom. Springer in round two, which is probably a reach in a roto league, but not necessarily in a points league. He's he's possibly going to lead the lead the league or lead baseball in plate appearances, and that matters. Zach Granke in round three, um, Marcus Simeon in round four doesn't seems like does yeah, not reaching, seem like a good pick. Right? Yeah, yeah. This I mean, he could like he could have taken Glaber Torres. In, you know, <laughs> that's a surprise. Well, I, I mean, we've talked about how Glaber Torres was. Is being overvalued, and I just told you what his points per game was last year. But we all like was... him better than Simeon, right? Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, it's it's interesting when you're breaking it down pick by pick because those sound like bad picks. But I think this is a year uh, where you really have to be mindful of overall roster construction as opposed to just take the best guy available over and over again. So, okay, so anyway, he went to Grom, Springer, Granky, Simeon, Kluber, Sale. That's four of his top six were pitchers. Sale went after Sonny Gray. He went before Mike Soroka. So it, round six doesn't seem like that much of a discount, but he went late in among starting pitchers. He went after Bumgarner, after Sonny Gray. All right, good stuff. Thank you, and the results of that draft are available. You can go to our, to cbsportscom slash fantasy slash baseball, and then you scroll down a little bit, kind of in the middle of the page, there's these mock drafts, and you can click on them and see the mock drafts. Enter our podcast league. Uh, do something creative. Do whatever you want. Uh, songs are always appreciated. One thing you shouldn't do, though, is give me a parody song that's just lyrics. Be like, hey, here's a parody I wrote of this song, and just give me the lyrics. Like, that's not gonna do it. I, for some, I just don't really enjoy those. So, so someone asking, just asking to be in the league, might get in. Yes, but someone who takes the time to write out full parody lyrics, yeah, won't get. Will in. not. Right, right. You're a monster. Bribes <laughs> are accepted. By the way, uh, put podcast league in the subject line. You have to put podcast league in the subject line. We also haven't come up with a date for the draft, so we'll have to do that and hopefully announce that tomorrow or Thursday. The Bracket Challenge. Join our March Madness Bracket Challenge. The link is in the description. The time codes are also in the description if you're looking for specifics on when we talk about things. And please be kind and leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts. That would be very kind of you. A uh, five-star review with a, you know, hey, these guys are awesome. I love them. Yeah. You can put that verbatim. Um, we'd appreciate it. Roto Pitching Strategy. I teased this a little bit. I executed it in a mock we did a couple weeks ago, and then I did it again in the auction. And I'm working on an acronym acronym for it, but uh, so far I have Tap Hap AMC as my <laughs> rolls off the tongue uh, acronym. Tap Hap AMC. Taffa Pamk sounds like a town in Massachusetts. Taffa Pamk, sure. Taffa Pamk uh, with a C at the end, yeah. That's two aces plus Hater and Paxton and more closers. That's my strategy. It's mm. two top six. Got to be two top six. And it can't be... Well, now it's two top five because of Verlander. And it can't be Bueller and Flaherty. So it's got to be like 
one of the top three plus or two of the or two of the top three. And then Bueller so, and Flaherty could be one of them. So you're paying up for dependability at starting pitch. I'm paying up for three hundred potentially three hundred strikeouts, sub one whip, two fifty ish ERA from one or two players. You know, like just okay. the best of the best. Hoping they stay healthy. Hoping they stay healthy, yes. And then you have to get Josh Hader because he gives you like 125 strikeouts, some saves, and also a great ERA and whip. And then you win saves. You get three more closers. You win saves. Mm-hmm. You're, win- you're winning ERA. You're winning whip. You're winning saves. I get Paxton because... Adam. What? You're getting... You're drafting... You're, you're drafting four closers and you're going to have two. Yeah. In like a best case scenario. No, that, that the yeah. best case scenario is you have four. The realistic scenario is you have two or three, two. and you're aggressive on waivers, and you still prioritize saves because yes, that's those are not going to be the four closers you have throughout the season, but you'll have a leg up on the competition. Okay, so you're kind of you're kind of you're not necessarily counting on winning saves. But you're 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 kind of overdoing it to safeguard against volatility, which is kind of what I'm doing against starting at starting pitch. Yeah, I would say that's more fair. I, I put Paxton in there because he, he's discounted, and I thought he was only going to miss, like, a little more than a month. But I've been reading lately that he might miss most of May. I thought it was more like early May. So that actually mm-hmm. matters quite a bit. But but I've seen conflicting information on him. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like he's on the same timeline as... Like, he's thrown a bullpen, I'm pretty sure, like, Clevenger has, yeah, but I, I was I was hearing more optimistic things. I mean, as the we initial got closer timetable was May to June, yeah, but I, but he, he keeps I, beating his timeline. I've been hearing that it moved up closer to the early end of that, right? So you know, this is just kind of what I'm going for. It's two studs, hater, three more closers, and then you can do whatever the hell you want with the other spots. But um. I would recommend, like, I have Luke Weaver on the auction league. I, I would like to have, like, four starting pitchers that I could throw out there all the time and five relievers. And they don't ha- all have to be closers. Like, you can get a Seth Lugo. I drafted Dellen Batansis. Hopefully, he needs to get his velocity up. But that's the basis of the strategy. And uh, tap hamp, tap hap AMC, tap hap amp, <laughs> to fab, to fab, what is it, Chris? Taff a pamp. Taff a pamp. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. It's Team Dave Tuesday. Lord of War. W, you know, like wins above replacement. Yeah. A highly underrated film, according to the person who submitted Lord of War. Uh, never seen it. Sounds like something somebody would say who submitted Lord of War. Probably. Glenn Perkins. Like Ann Perkins from Parks and Rec gave that one away last week. Uh, dude, you're getting Adele. Like Joe Adele. Yeah. Yeah, ah, I like that one. I've been going for him in, in these. Uh, been doing a lot of draft and holds. These like fifty man rosters, and Joe Adele has been a key part of my strategy. How about Molly Hatchet, like uh, Tyler Malley? Malley Hatchet. I like it. Yeah, I thought you would. Set to the tune of Huey and the Lew- and Huey Lewis and the News Classic. Do you believe in love? Do you believe in Lux? Sure. Uh, I I don't I don't know I I hate when they try and cram a second name in there <laughs> unless it really works. I'm is not that sure one on that news? One really works. What'd you say? Is that on news? I don't know. I don't know, Chris. Who cares? You're such a show I got off. That album. You're such a show off right now. I oh, know Huey. Get out of here. And uh, finally, oh, this one's perfect for sports. Actually. That's what it's called. It's not news. It's sports. Wrong segment of the paper. <laughs> this is a Carter Keyboom reference. Okie boomers. Okie boomers. Okay, yeah. Yeah, like, okay, boomer. Yeah, I like that one. All right, read so, emails. Oh, sorry. That's so, Roto World's most recent updates of James Paxton, Paxton keeps saying late April or early May, and he's scheduled to begin throwing on Wednesday, so two days after Clevenger. I don't know. I, I he, he tends to fall really far in drafts, yes. Paxton, but I, I, think, I think he's becoming a good value. If uh, if Roto World is right there about what they keep saying, well, he's part of Tap Hap AMC. Now, now you know. All right, here's some the emails, and then we'll do fill in the blank. <laughs> this is from Jeff in Nog. Dear Murray Quinn, Volcano, and Gatto. I don't know which Rays starters 
We'll have openers go before them. Chirinos and Yarbrough? Those would be the only ones. And even that, they kind of moved away from that with Yarbrough at the end of last year, didn't they? And I feel like they weren't doing it much with Chirinos at the beginning of the year when he was at his healthiest. Let me let me see what how many starts versus relief appearances he ended up making. He those were the impractical making... jokers. Yeah, yeah, they were impractical jokers. They used the last names of the impractical jokers. If it done like Sal and Murr, I would have gotten it. Eighteen starts, eight relief appearances for Chirinos. So yeah, after pioneering that strategy, the Rays kind of backed off from it. You're a uh, you're on a first name basis with the impractical jokers. Adam? Everybody is. By the way, uh, the Ryan Yarbrough's last nine appearances were all starts. He threw 51 and two thirds innings. He had a 4.53 ERA. He did have a good walk to strikeout ratio: seven walks, 47 strikeouts, and 51 and two thirds. But uh, his last two starts were only a com- well, no, one of them was only three and a third. Okay, uh, next email is from Jonathan. Dear JD, Stephen, Stubbs, and Pomerantz. Oh, this one I get. Drews. Drews. Yeah. Ten teams, six by six, head-to-head categories leagues with holds. Uh, after Pomerantz moved to the to the bullpen, his underlying numbers look fantastic. What say you about Drew Pomerantz's performance, and does he stand out next to Ryan Presley as one of the top holds relievers in 2020? I, I, I mean, just look at what the Padres gave him this offseason. So clearly they are buying in. And um, yeah, he was awesome. He had eight walks, 45 strikeouts in 26 and a third with a point nine one whip in the bullpen. I thought that was with Milwaukee, though, with Pomeranz. It was. OK, OK. But I'm, but I'm saying he on, signed with the Padres the... for a big deal this offseason. OK, so he went from San Francisco and he was mostly a starter there. Then he yep. went to Milwaukee. They used him as a reliever two thirty nine ERA point nine one whip ridiculous strikeout rate. OK. Put him on your yeah. That's another guy. He could be part of Tap Hap AMC, the Roto strategy. Drew Pomerantz. Uh, from this is from Adam. Please make fun of my friend who kept Vladimir Guerrero over Trey Turner in an eight-team league with only five keepers. That is all. Thank you. <laughs> I refuse to do it. This could be a brilliant move. Could be a brilliant move in a year. Uh. I, I, it's it's impossible to justify if it's a categories league, whether head-to-head or roto. If it's a points league, I still want to do it. Nah. But you, you're at least not giving up those those steals that are so uh, so necessary. This is from Brian from following Scott's pitching strategy all offseason. Nobody took his best available two SPs in the latest points mock draft. What bats, if any, uh, were available in late round two and early round three? would force him to abandon his early starting pitching uh, strategy. He passed on Trey Turner. All right, so what he's saying is Scott took Mike Trout, then he took Corbin and Giolito. Were there any bats that could have been on the board that would have made you stray uh, from Corbin I, I think Giolito? he's asking which bats could be available that would make him switch. That's exactly so like, what I just said. <laughs> That's exactly, you You know. No, you're, you, just go uh, listen to your Huey Lewis. No, no, no. <laughs> no. You asked it wrong. It was I a did, hypothetical. I'm saying which bat? Yes, Chris, you're right. Which bats could would have been available? If, God, you're such a jerk. If, for Scott to have strayed from the Corbin Giolito back-to-back picks. You guys are telling me Nolan Arenado, and I'm inclined to agree with you. Uh, he went early in round two in this draft, but Freddie Freeman. I kind of pair Arenado and Freeman in my mind and Freeman went with the eighth pick of round two. If he was still there, I probably would have had to consider him. Uh, I could see Anthony Rodone actually went in the first round of this particular draft. And obviously points is, is where Rendon is even better. He's he, he was better on a per game basis than Arenado in 2018 as well as 2019. So if Arenado was there at the end of round two. I'd probably have to take him. I think it's possible like Juan Soto could be there. What about J.D. Martinez, it would, Scott? It's not likely, but that's that's what it would take. It's just something that unlikely happening. Well, J.D. Martinez is fairly realistic. In fact, he was picked two two spots before Corbin and Giolito. Would you have taken J.D. Martinez? I I don't know. I, I want to say yes, but I'm not sure I would. I, I feel like I've passed him up at that range before. Okay. I think, yeah. Okay. 
And this is all contingent on you having a hitter with your first pick and Trout. Like if you had yeah, gone with a pitcher, of course. With your if first I pick. if I took if I had Cole or Degrom at this point, then it's it's easier to take the hitter with the second pick. And then I still probably take a pitcher with my third in in a points league. In and a then roto league, maybe not. And that's just one more scenario, right? Let's say let's say Scott goes Mike Trout, and then someone falls to him like Soto or Freeman, or maybe he does take JD Martinez, and he takes Patrick Corbin, he skips Giolito. And then in round four, instead of taking Alvarez and Cattell Marte, you take one of those two, Jordan Alvarez or Cattell Marte, and then you take Wheeler or Kluber or Barrios. Who would be your favorite there? Carrasco, Bauer. Which of those pitchers would be Yeah, my who favorite? would you have taken? Uh, of the ones you listed, Bauer, though, are, are Darvish and Sonny Gray gone at that point? Because I like Gray them both. Sonny Gray is there. Darvish the is gone. Darvish is gone. Let me see where Sonny Gray went. Yeah, Middle he's there. Of round Sonny, six. Sonny so Gray he's, is there. He's still there. Yeah, Sonny Gray would be the first I'd prioritize of them. All right, so what do you like better? Final thought here. Trout, Corbin, Giolito, Jordan Alvarez, or Trout, Corbin, J.D. Martinez, Sonny Gray? Yeah, well, I mean, just among the four players, I like the Martinez combo more, but it's it's then going to have a, an effect on what my pitching staff looks like. And I was already, I was already a little uneasy about the four I went with at the top there. So I think, I think I'd have to stick with the Giolito, just anticipating what my full team is going to look like. This is from Noah. Can you give me an analysis of Taiwan Walker this season? I'm very interested in seeing what he does in the spring. It sounds like the velocity's mostly been there coming back from Tommy John surgery, but the biggest problem with Taiwan Walker has pretty much always been that he just doesn't really have a put-away pitch. Uh, his curveball was the closest, but the swing strike rate on that was just okay. Um, so I, I haven't seen any reason to believe that's changed. Uh, if he has spent his rehab from Tommy John developing, uh, you know, either tightening the the curveball or developing the cutter into more of a swing and miss pitch, I, I could see uh, being interested in him. But right now, he's nothing more than like a late round flyer in a deep league. Tyron Walker back with Seattle after a few years with Arizona, where he yep. didn't, didn't do that much. This is an email from RJ. Howdy, gang. I've got a single NA stash in my lineup for prospects. We have a 30 waiver move limit for the season, but the NA position adds without penalty. I've had Royce Lewis in my spot since the start of last season. Is Royce the kind of prospect worth hanging on to in this spot until he's called up? Or would it make sense to try to get the likes of a Michael Kopech once the season begins and try to add Royce Lewis at a later time? So Royce Lewis is coming off a pretty bad season. Of course, he's a former number one overall pick. And I think... think I think evaluators are split on his bat right now, particularly if he's going to be hit for much in the way of average. But he almost certainly will be the twin starting shortstop at some point. It won't be this year. Maybe he breaks through next year. Um, I think when you're talking about only one minor league spot, and that's true for every team across your league, it makes sense to play the more near-term game unless it's unless it's a prospect so high end that like you like McKenzie Gore, who himself might be up at some point this year. But hey, what's a better example? Maybe Jared Kalenic. But yeah, no, I, I think given the play, given the options you presented, going the Kopech route probably makes more sense. I'm going to read two more questions involving Marlins pitchers. This is from Josh. I'm in a head-to-head points league. I've got a killer group of pitchers. Cole, Bieber, Glassnow, Freed, Wheeler, Clevenger, Hader, Kimbrell, and Caleb Smith. But after listening to you guys talk about Sparps, I'm wondering if I should drop Caleb Smith for any of the following. Kyle Gibson, Adrian Hauser, Yanni Chirinos, or Kevin Gosman? I would drop him for Hauser. I would also drop him for... Maybe I want to drop him for Chirinos, but I definitely would drop him for Hauser. All right. And then, Chris, this one's for you. 
from Dan in Richmond, Virginia. Dear Carlos, Jesus, Ryan, and Adrian. Uh, this is the wrong one. Dear, okay, sorry, Carlos. <laughs> uh, sorry, Dan from Richmond. We are not reading your email. Uh, from MD from TO, which is Toronto. Go Raptors. Dear Pugsley, Wednesday, and Morticia. Okay, I know them. I tweeted this to Chris, but I fear he may have thought it was a troll. It really wasn't. It was inspired by all the talk of the Pirates rotation, reminding me of the talk of the Stallions of the Marlins last season. Would love to hear your thoughts on how are they now regarding Richards, Alcantara, Smith, and Lopez compared to the Helium with the Pirates guys this year. I'm still willing to take Alcantara, Smith, or Lopez with a late-round pick. For, for Lopez, it has to be more of a deeper league, but I've actually drafted a surprising amount of uh, Sandy Alcantara. He's another guy who, um, like Jose Brios and Kyle Hendricks, is elite at limiting hard contact. And so the question for him, whether he can get the walk rate into a manageable range rather than just very bad, but I think there's potential there. Um, and Caleb Smith, I mean, he was excellent before the injury. So it just, it's a question of how much you believe his bad second half was the result of the hip injury and how much you believe it was uh, regression to the mean. All of the underlying numbers in the first, it was like two months of the season where he was one of the best pitchers in baseball, and the underlying numbers mostly backed it up. So I think there's still uh, potential there. It's just a question of how much of it, again, was the result of the injury derailing him. All right. Those are your emails at fantasybaseball.cbsi.com. And let's do some fill-in-the-blank to finish today's show. From Danny Perez, this year's Cody Bellinger is blank. Guy who will become a fantasy superstar this year. Um, Man, this is tough to pull out of thin air. I am going to say Vlad. that. Yoan Moncada. Yoan Moncada? Okay. Did you that say works. Vlad? Scott? I am going oh, yeah, to go with... Uh, I don't know. Matt... <laughs> I don't know. Sorry. Uh, Matt Olson. Matt Olson. I feel like we haven't seen his full upside in a season yet. From Ross, blank will be the most productive mid-season promotion for 2020. Joe Adele. I'm going to say... Trey Mancini. I'm I'm sorry. Not Trey Mancini. (laughs) The other guy for the Orioles. I'm sorry. Ryan Ryan Mountcastle. Yeah, it's supposed to be like word association, Scott. You just got to say the first name that comes to mind. Well, regardless, regardless of if it's wrong, regardless of if it's wrong. <laughs> yes, people, they don't care about accuracy. They just care about speed. Yeah. yeah. This is from Garrett Atkins, who drafts with us at times. Garrett Atkins, uh, or no, excuse me, not Garrett Atkins, but <laughs> blank will be this season's Hunter Pence. Garrett Atkins is not the answer to this fill in the blank. He will, uh, blank will be this season's Hunter Pence, a.k.a. a former fantasy stud who will rise from the dead in 2020? Mm, I, feel like Chris, <laughs> I feel like Chris drafts a lot of those guys. I, I I would bet more on Matt Carpenter than Joey Votto. I think both are good answers. Miguel Cabrera. Yeah, he's... Actually, I wish we hadn't talked about it this late in the show, but Eric Hosmer. Please. Eric Hosmer is finally talking about hitting the ball in the air for the first time in his life and actually doing it so far in spring training. For his spring training career, he has, I I hate that MLB.com only has ground outs versus line versus fly outs, but that's all we have. We don't have ground ball rate. But for his spring training career, he has averaged 2.3 ground ball outs for every fly ball out that he has recorded. This year, he has averaged Oh, God, the math is way less straightforward. Two ground ball outs for every five fly ball outs, I think. Either way, the he is hitting the ball in the air a lot more in the spring. Glad you finished Worth with noting. that because I got lost in the math there. Elite skills, but that, yeah, that's the... <laughs> he hits the ball really hard. He always has. Uh, he's always been really, really good with runners on base uh, for his career. And for the first time in his career... He is actually talking about hitting the ball in the air. It's 2020. I hope Eric Hosmer joins us. <laughs> okay. And how about, let's see, next fill in the blank is from Andrew Grubbs. Miguel Andujar will finish as a top blank outfielder. 40. That's where my thought was going to, yeah. 
From Jake, you should draft Chris Bryant over Josh Donaldson because blank. He'll injuries. I'm more confident he'll play. Yeah. Batting average should be better, I would think, right? Yeah. Yeah. But if they stay healthy, I mean, Donaldson's probably going to out Homer Bryant, I would guess. Yeah. It'll be similar if they stay healthy, but they're. I mean, Donaldson had like 10 more last year, right? I don't know. Home runs? He may have. Didn't Donaldson have like 39? No. He had. I think he may have. I think it was pretty close if it wasn't 10 full more. He had 37. I think it was eight more. And Bryant. Bryant didn't hit 30 last year? No. I don't think he hit 30. I think he hit 30. 30 on the nose. It was more like five apart. Wait, how many did he have? It's officially six apart, 37 versus 31, 31. But it's closer to five than 10 if we're round doing up to 10. round numbers. We round up to 10. <laughs> you always round up. Yes, Everyone that's true. That. Six rounds up to 10. Cannot argue with that. It's 100% factual. From Brent. Next question. <laughs> From Brent, the stolen base leader for 2020 will be blank. Adalberto Mondesi. <sighs> I don't see how it could be anyone else if he's healthy, yeah. From Josh U. Or actually, I think I forgot the A. I think this is from Joshua. <laughs> My bad, I just wrote Joshu. Uh, Blank <laughs> is this year's Kirby Yates, a.k.a. a low-key closer who could be this year's saves leader. Literally any closer. <laughs> That's just not true. You cannot. You're, well, actually, I guess that is true because Yates, I think they were a last place team. Jim Johnson led the league in saves two years in a row. Man. Yeah, but you got to be on a good team typically. Or at least Giovanni not a bad Gallegos. team. Giovanni Gallegos, could, that could definitely be the case. Uh, Eric Baker, Jordan Alvarez pronounces his name blank and my evidence is blank. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan and I'm the worst person at pronouncing things, so there is no evidence. Jim Bowden. Jim Bowden. Jim Bowden is what this all goes back to. The most plugged to, right? in guy. I believe he was I believe he got that from Jeff Luno. Right? It's pronounced Jordan, I just, but I always hear it as Jordan, so I'm going Jordan. Yeah. I I I have with other players of, you know, um Hispanic with Hispanic names, I've never heard the Y pronounced as a J for any other. I have heard the J pronounced as a Y, like Johan Santana, but I haven't heard the Y pronounced as a J before. From Brian, blank is the shallowest position in the head-to-head categories league. Uh, besides catcher? I guess so. Catch second base. Second base. Yeah. From Luke, blank is the best stop, Blank is the best spot to draft from in a 12-team head-to-head points league. One. Three. Mm, okay. From Matt Williams, who oh, in a points league. I'm sorry. Two. <laughs> two. Yeah. Trader Yelich. Trader Yelich. Yeah. Okay. And Matt Williams, who we said had the best team in our auction. Blank is my dark horse to lead the majors in home runs. Well, since he didn't get an A plus from Scott's ranking, I'm going to say Mike Trout counts as a dark horse. <laughs> Uh, I am going to say, does Miguel Sano count? I think so. Fran Mill Reyes would be an even darker horse. Okay. Love Fran Mill. Love the Franimal. I mean, it seems like Jorge Soler would be kind of a dark horse, even though he led the AL, right? He has been so bad in the spring. He has like a 50% strikeout rate. Uh-oh. Come on. No, don't come on. That's that's Travis what? Shaw territory. Are we supposed to dismiss spring stats? <laughs> Not strikeout rate. What's, how many bats does he have? Like fourteen? Well, no, it's like twenty something. And you were rounding up. We're, we always round already? up. So now it's thirty. Are you just making this up? No, he has twenty nine plate appearances and thirteen strikeouts. So he struck out in half of his at bats, not half of his plate appearances. That's a lot. Uh, Mike Moustakis would be my dark horse, and Eric Hosmer would be my other dark dark horse, based on what Chris just said. <laughs> Thanks for listening, y'all. I am not going to be on the show tomorrow. So, Chris and Scott, good luck. I think tomorrow we're going to talk about how to draft in different formats and maybe recap the categories draft that we're doing. It's a categories draft today, right? Yeah. Okay. So I I don't know why I answered. I have no (laughs) idea. (laughs) Do you believe? All right. We gotta we gotta go. Uh, For Chris and Scott, I'm Adam. Thanks for listening. Talk to you tomorrow.
Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on Fantasy Baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework.